Hi, I'm Shani Hill, and you're listening to the first episode of RMIT's Catalyst Magazine podcast, Cataclysm. Welcome, we're so happy to have you here. This first episode has been a long time coming and we're really excited about it. Now you'd have to be living under a rock or in some blissful alternative universe for the better half of the year to not be aware of the current social climate and the COVID-19 pandemic, which has affected every facet of our lives since March. But COVID-19 isn't the first pandemic to send the world into panic and disarray, and it definitely won't be the last. In today's episode, we're going to unpack that a little bit. Olivia Devendra is going to take us through a brief history of pandemics while we currently find ourselves living through one in 2020. Later on, Cameron Magusik speaks with one of our own RMIT students who found herself stuck in China just as international travel restrictions were introduced. You're listening to The Cataclysm Podcast. Hey, my name is Olivia, and for our first episode today, we will be discussing contemporary and ancient pandemics to provide a little historical context to the outbreak that we are currently facing. As COVID-19, also more commonly known as the coronavirus, spreads across the globe, bringing death, travel restrictions and discrimination, we thought it would be an interesting time to discuss pandemics that have plagued the world throughout history. The first pandemic I would like to discuss was known as the Antonine Plague, or the Plague of Galen. This plague hit the Roman Empire around 165 AD. It was brought to the empire by the Huns, whose origins are still uncertain. The outbreak lasted about 15 years and managed to kill Emperor Marcus Aurelius. The spread of this plague affected the Roman Empire's rule, which after the event began to decline. According to historians, the spread of the disease also made the population more spiritual and the disease is credited to the rise of monotheistic religions in ancient Rome, most notably Christianity. Like the Antonine Plague, the devastation of COVID-19 has also had an impact on spirituality. Widespread lockdowns has meant that many places of worship around the world have been closed and will revert to online practices for the time being. Now, we move several centuries forward to the Middle Ages, which had many notable outbreaks including the spread of leprosy, measles and smallpox. But the disease that is synonymous with the 14th century is the bubonic plague, or more famously, the Black Death. Beginning in rodents and fleas before spreading in the human population, the disease is said to have roughly wiped out about one-third of the world's population. According to BBC History, symptoms of the plague included swelling, coughing up blood, and dark patches across the body. The plague's high mortality rate caused major economic issues in England and the rest of Europe. We now begin to see similarities between the consequences faced by society from modern and past outbreaks. Like the bubonic plague, the coronavirus has also drastically altered the economy of the world. Another issue that affects the economy, like worldwide pandemics, is climate change. There has been one significant occurrence in which the spread of illnesses has caused an effect on the climate, which will be our third pandemic for the list. In the 15th century, the Colombian exchange occurred. The Spanish arrived in the Caribbean with hopes to find the new world, and with them brought a plethora of diseases including smallpox, measles, mumps, typhus, the chickenpox, and the bubonic plague. This had catastrophic effects on the indigenous population. It is estimated that nearly 90% of the native communities died from the spread of those European illnesses. This time is referred to by historians as the Great Dying. Researchers from University College London wrote that after the mass death of the native population, there was a significant reforestation. 
This led to a carbon dioxide drop in the atmosphere which led to the climate cooling, referred to as the Little Ice Age. This sudden cooling led to severe winters across Asia and Europe which led to famines and rebellions. It should be said that this theory is still being researched upon and evidence indicating that there was a notable climate change is increasing. Now moving towards the modern era, the 1980s was the decade that was associated with the AIDS pandemic. In 1981, HIV was identified, which can through time develop into AIDS. According to the World Health Organization, HIV is a disease that weakens the immune system, which results in the body becoming immune deficient. HIV and AIDS is still prevalent today. Recently, there has been preventative drugs created and distributed to slow and stop the spread. As of March 16, 2020, it is reported that two individuals have been cured of the disease. The spread of this disease in the 1980s caused stigmatization towards the LGBTQ plus community who were already facing immense prejudice by the government and media. This stigma is still around to this day, even though science has debunked the misinformation that the disease can only occur to members of the LGBTQ plus community when in fact anyone can contract the illness. According to the World Health Organization, about 32 million people have died from HIV. Like the communities who face discrimination due to HIV, similarly, there has been a rise in racism due to the spread of the coronavirus. People of Asian descent and especially people of Chinese backgrounds have faced unnecessary discrimination in the workplace, out in public and in airports internationally. The last modern outbreak I would like to discuss about is known as the Ebola virus, which also saw a rise in racism during the height of the disease. It spread throughout the world between 2014 to 2016. Originating from Guinea, it passed throughout West Africa to the United Kingdom, United States and Europe. The death toll is over 11,000. The spread of Ebola saw a rise in misrepresentation and racism towards Native Africans. The country was stigmatized for it. This thought is still wrongfully present in some individuals today, especially in Western civilization. Pandemics cause global fear and racism rises from it. Anyone closely or even remotely associated with the place of origin of the sickness experience it. was Olivia Devendra giving us a brief history into pandemics. Now back in March, just as coronavirus cases began to pop up in Australia, Prime Minister Scott Morrison made the radical decision to enforce a travel ban for international travellers coming into Australia, ultimately closing our borders. However, this came at a price. With the new semester about to begin, many international students were left wondering if they would even be able to make it to Australia to commence the new school year. This was the case for Chinese student Endelis, who had been completing her Masters in Communication at RMIT's Melbourne campus. In March, she spoke to Cameron about the travel ban. Endelis, thanks very much for your time. No problem, thanks for inviting me. So Endelis, can you tell us how the virus situation has affected your life back in, back in China? Uh, we have to stay at home. And mm -hmm. even if I got intern, everyone has to work from home as well. Um, tell us about the impact of, of, of that on your work and, and, and I guess your personal life as well. Um, for my personal life, so during the spring festival, normally people will go to, like my relatives will come to my home and I will go to my other relatives' home as well. But during this, this spring festival, we can't really go to each other's home we have to stay at home like stay at our own home it's like kind of like quarantine obviously with the travel ban you haven't been able to to go back to australia 
And and what what sort of measures have been put in place for you to complete your your studies? So I have already applied for leave of absence, but I haven't received the approval from the uni. But I'm pretty sure they will approve that. But what I plan is I will start in this semester and、uh, I will finish my course in June and then in December I will go to the graduation ceremony. So now it will be hopefully I can take the semester two, which begins in July, and then I will finish in December and I can go to the ceremony as well. So when you found out about the travel ban, what was the first thing that came to your mind? It's kind of like because the travel ban, I think it's in mid February. I kind of like I can feel、um, Australia is going to make this decision because I, actually I understand at that time because people are really scared of this new virus.、Uh, I already made the decision to to pause my study for this semester, but for other students, I think it's really hard for them to make the decision decision because at first the travel ban is set for two weeks. And then another two weeks, and then it's one week. So they changed their plane tickets again and again and again,、um, because the government didn't really like make make the final decision. So I know a lot of students they change their tickets a lot of times, and then finally they have to choose to go to the third country to go back because it turned out to be the only way for them to go back to uni on time. And can you tell me about、uh, some of your friends、uh, or, or students that you know who who might have had different responses to to the travel ban and the, and the virus? My housemate, she chose to go to Thailand for fourteen days, and she she's still in Thailand now.、Um, actually, she didn't really want to do that because it kind of like put the risk on the third country. It's not a good way to do the quarantining a third country, but. That's her only choice. Also, I found some people they give up to studying Australia. They chose maybe like UK or other countries for their further study. So, what has RMIT done, if anything, to support your your change of study? Has your application to defer been approved yet? Oh no, not yet. I I think a lot of people has uh a lot of people have applied for leave, so it must be a lot of work for them. So, what what do you think could be done better to support students in your situation? I think financial support is will be good. Like, I will be happy if you have the financial support, but、um, it shouldn't be the reason that encourage students to go to the third country or what.、Mm-hmm. But it just should be、um, a thing that to help students to cope with this situation. And so let, let's talk about, I guess, the the difference in in responses between. Between from what you've seen in Australia and also and also where you are in in China, what do you make of the、uh, the panic with the, with the toilet paper buying in Australia as a, as an interested observer from afar? Yeah,、uh, at first I was pretty shocked. I was like, why toilet paper? Like it should be masks. And then I heard people say because there are some ingredients using to manufacture toilet papers、um, is import from from other countries. So maybe. The travel ban or maybe the virus will have some、uh, impact on that. That's one of the reasons for the fight. But、um, I think it's maybe also the cultural reasons. I know in Western culture, mask wearing mask means you are sick. But in this situation, wearing mask is also prevent yourself to、mm. be infected, to be infected because you know this virus is like 
it's not like when you are diagnosed or when you have the symptom, then you can infect others. But even if you are healthy all the time, you can still spread the virus to to others. So wearing masks is it's protecting yourself actually. I know there's some discrimination towards let's say not just the Asian people, but also towards people who wearing masks. So it's really sad because actually. People who wear masks, they are responsible to themselves and to other people as well. If there's one thing that you could say to Aramate or the or the Australian government, what would that message be? I really hope media can guide people to protect themselves instead of raising the racist racism, uh, the discrimination because. Um, you can't really change people who already have the discrimination, but you can prevent people have more discrimination towards people. In this situation, the enemy should be the virus, not Asian people, Chinese people, uh, Iran people. So I think the media should guide people, like they should educate people to wear masks, wash their hands more, and、um, do the quarantine if necessary. Well, thank well, thank you, and Andalus,、uh, for for taking the time to speak with me from from China. Thank you. Since this interview was recorded in March, Andalus has continued working in her home city of Shanghai in China. She wants to be able to come back to Melbourne for the start of semester two, but she is realistic that the federal government may not open international borders or allow exemptions for students by then. She's starting to worry that she may not be able to complete her degree and graduate until the end of next year, much later than she had planned. Andalus hopes that RMIT can do something about tuition fees for international students, especially as students are using fewer facilities, and she feels the study experience is definitely worse than before. She has noted the incidents of racial discrimination that have taken place in Melbourne recently, and believes the media is displaying bias. Endless thought Australia would have been different because of its multicultural background, and is pretty disappointed with how the federal government has handled things. That was Cameron Magusic speaking with RMIT student Andalus about her experience being caught in the Chinese province of Wuhan just as the COVID-19 travel restrictions began. Well, that's all for episode one. On behalf of myself, Shani Hill, as well as the rest of the Cataclysm team, Izzy Fedwinski, Olivia Vedendra, and Cameron Magusic, thank you for tuning in. To stay connected with all the goings on of the podcast, be sure to follow and like RMIT Catalyst on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we'll see you next time.